0: Now it's time for our regular sports show, Game of Two Halves, every Monday at five fifteen, where we host the sports podcasters from the Straits Times. With me, our assistant sports editor Rohit Bridgnath, sports correspondent Sazali Abdulaziz, and David Lee. Hi, guys! Thanks for joining us. You know, it's been an eventful week in the world of sports, both at home and abroad. And let's start by talking about Singapore athletics. And we've seen plenty of articles on a host of issues involving the national track and field body sazali can you share with us what's been going on
1: yeah, certainly. Yeah. It all centres around an extraordinary general meeting, a uh, EUGM. You know, that was scheduled last Monday, which was set out because for athletics wanted to lay the groundwork for their election in September. So they had to review the constitution to include things like voting by proxy uh, over Zoom, for example, because of the COVID nineteen restrictions mm. for for meetings and gatherings. But some of the proposed constitution changes had you know sparked concern from affiliate members. I think a, a draft of these changes made the round before the EUGM and three issues in particular were highlighted. One was, you know, uh, proposing to remove the voting rights of the Athletes Commission representative. Another was keep minutes of general meetings confidential and, and thirdly, to introduce new criteria for affiliate membership which would require uh, submission of documents and financial reports from, from the various clubs uh, in the local triangle community. So so these three issues were high on the list of priorities for the, the athletes to, to sort of speak out against.
0: Why were these a concern, though, and were they all changed in the end?
1: In short, no, they are not changed yet. The new criteria for affiliate membership was discarded in the end. Uh, after discussion in the EOGM, the keeping of, of uh, meeting minutes confidential that is still on hold because of snafu with interpretation over a two thirds majority. Because mm-hmm. out of the 20 voting members there, two abstain. They're le- looking, uh, they're seeking le- legal independent opinion on it uh, and they'll come to a conclusion. They, they held the vote anyway, but they can't pass because, you know, they're unsure what. Uh, constitutes a majority and you know the same goes with the bid to remove uh, voting rights for the athletes uh, representative that was also on hold because some people voted for it but you know if you go by a two-thirds majority for all 20 members it's not enough to, to to pass through the change
0: to that end you also wrote a feature about athletic representation in national sports associations can you tell us a bit more about that
1: Athlete representation in our national sports associations so, or NSAs, I think it has uh, improved uh, tremendously in the last five years. Uh, I spoke to SNOC uh, athletes' commission chair Mark Chase, and you know he noted that you know when he started his current term in twenty seventeen, only one uh, national sports association, which was uh, swimming, had an athletes' commission, uh, a formally recognised athlete body within its its setup to to sort of. Uh, raise concerns or, you know, have an avenue to provide feedback uh, to the leadership of the NSA. You know, so so uh, basically, I I think universally it's agreed that it's good athletes should have a voice. I think the debate now is how far should NSAs allow them to have a say.
0: So Rohit, we understand that you are also working on a column that we can look forward to that talks about athlete representation what do you make of the whole singapore athletic saga as well as the issue about athletes needing a voice
2: well i mean i really like sazali's story it was excellent but i'm going to disagree with him on one thing he i don't find 13 of 64 nsa's have some sort of athlete representation that's 20 percent, and for me that's poor mm. only three of these nsa's have athletes involved in decision making? That's, if my maths is correct, that's 4.6%. That's a fail mark, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, these are these are self-evident truths now that athletes should have a say. I would definitely go as far as to say they should have a vote because I think a vote is a symbolic recognition of the athlete as a partner in this process that federations are involved in to be better. And I don't think that all athletes are going to be great because athletes often look at the small picture and they can be self-serving and they can be arrogant. I know this is all true, but they are also athletes. I also find athletes very honest. And I think there are always Athletes who speak very well Who understand Whose experience Cannot be understood By mm. officials. They have to be there To talk about their uh, Experience To talk about the Mental health issues To talk about What's going to happen Life after sport To talk about Ranking points To talk about You know Maybe just improving the quality of an, of, of an event. So I spoke to a friend of mine who actually is on the he's a Indian shooter who is on the IOC's Athletes Commission and was also the chairman of the Athletes Commission of the International Shooting Federation. For him, this is a no-brainer because you know he, he was. They used to have meetings. They were involved in in so many things. I mean, I'll give you a. S- a small, it might seem like a trivial example, but I'll, I'll give you an example. The shooting guys once had a, uh, once had an event where the shooters were taken in a hotel, somewhere in Europe, I think this was, and the event started very early in the morning. But the breakfast in the hotel didn't open when they were about to leave the hotel. So this might seem very trivial to you, but you had athletes who were not able to eat before they went for competition. Who would do this? Only the athletes do this. Who could talk about it to officials? athletes could I'll give you a very trivial issue mm-hmm. right but it was an important issue and they talked about everything and like I said they talked about anti-doping they talked about tournaments they talked about spectator friendly they've got to have this bridge you've got to have this I think Sazali referred to, to as a link you know, it's a bridge between athlete and the official. And I think you have to risk, I think giving them a vote, respecting them as thoughtful competitors who have mm-hmm. something to say in the progress that you are trying to make as a federation.
0: Rohit, how does this compare to other countries or perhaps international bodies when it comes to representation? I know that you spoke briefly about the IOC in other well, I, areas. I would, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, the IOC, the International Olympic Committee has athlete's uh, commission. And I think, uh, I, I, I would say from the top of my head, that pretty much every committee or working group that the IOC has probably has an athlete representative. They're in some cases elected, in some cases appointed, but there's an athlete with a view on almost every mm-hmm. committee that mm-hmm. the IOC has. And I think any forward looking look, federations are always tapping experts to make themselves better, right? Marketing expert, you want a finance an expert, you
1: you have a coaching
2: the expert you have a you have a psychology person. So why won't you tap athletes? I mean, isn't the athlete also an expert in his own regard in the experience that he goes through? Nobody knows what athletes go through except athletes
1: themselves. I should also add that uh, you know what, what the, the the assertion that uh, Singapore Athletics is making in in voting this removal of voting rights is that you know the athletes representative is uh, is an appointed position and not an elected one which is why they 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 want to sort of uh work through the constitution and and make sure uh things are right and they are accorded a vote when they are elected. To me it's the approach going forward should be okay then make the athletes representative an elected position uh in the constitution and not strip their voting rights because when you already have voting rights and you you take it away it's i mean it, it, whichever way you you spin it it's a step backwards uh when you should always be making uh you know uh, forward strides. So yeah, you know, I think that's why it's caused uh, so much
0: consternation. Well, we certainly hope the issues can be addressed for the good of the local sports scene. Now, if you like the Straits Times Game of Two Halves, you can listen live on Money FM 89.3 from 5.15pm every Monday, or you can subscribe to hashtag a game of two halves on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify and like us and give us a rating. Now, back to the second half of our conversation with our Straits Times Sports podcasters and let's move on to English football. Now, the English Premier League comes to an end this weekend, but with Liverpool having already won the league, what else is there to look forward to? David, tell us.
3: Right, uh, there's still plenty to look forward to, especially if you're not a fan of Liverpool who have won the league, Manchester City who have you know qualified for the Champions League or even Norwich who are already relegated. because. Uh, Up at the top, Chelsea, Leicester and Manchester United are separated by just one point in the chase for the two remaining Champions League spots. Now, when the EPL restarted, my guess was Leicester would lose ground. Even then, they did so in such spectacular fashion, you know, they they picked up just nine points from eight games. Chelsea fed much better by winning five out of seven games. But even then, they, they lost surprisingly to West Ham and Sheffield United. And this has allowed uh, Manchester United to creep back into the reckoning with an unbeaten seven-game league run in which they drop they dropped just four points. Now, uh, Leicester are down to just one must-win final game against United on Sunday. And now that, you know, both sides are level of points and even goal difference, United can qualify for the Champions League with, with a point against West Ham on Thursday and then another draw against Leicester. Uh, Chelsea have a point more, uh, but a far inferior goal difference can still miss out on the Champions mm. League if they lose to Liverpool and Wolves in their last two games. And of course, there's the, the um, Spurs, Wolves, Sheffield United, Burnley and Arsenal can all still qualify for the Europa League. So that's all to play for. And of course, uh, when you look further down the table, there's the relegation battle. It's a three-horse race to see who avoids the drop alongside Norwich. Uh, Bournemouth, of course, look... Favorites as you know they are just three points. They are three points away from safety and have just one game left. Uh, Aston Villa have the same number of points, but you know they have two games against Arsenal and West Ham to prevent a quick return to the Championship. Watford, I think uh, they they have the best chance uh, to avoid a the drop. They have three points more, but they face Man City and Arsenal, so it, it it's also tough for them. So it's really an exciting week to, to look forward to as the season draws to a close.
0: Sazali, any highlights to share?
3: Uh, yeah, I just
1: have to to say, I you know how, how silly it is, you know, for Watford to replace Nigel Pearson, their manager, with, with two games left, uh, and, and the team fighting relegation. You know, he came into the club in December uh, when they were bottom of the league. He's you know given them a fighting chance, and now you know he's parted ways with the club with you know two games left. So to to me, it, it just doesn't make any sense. I I, I think maybe the Watford club management were, were thinking that, you know, if, if we bring in a new manager there might be this, you know, that the the, the, the mystical new manager bounce. You might get a couple of good results uh and, and and that may be enough to save them from relegation. But, you know, I, I think this was badly timed move and I think it's gonna it's going to backfire on them.
0: So, David and Cesare, who are your top picks then for the remaining Champions League spots? And what are some of the key factors in this race?
3: Uh, I'm sure neutrals will back Leicester. But, you know, if you had asked me a week ago, it would have been United and Chelsea in a heartbeat. Uh, Chelsea, because they have more points now. And United and Leicester play each other in the last game. So, United for me, because of their great form. But the cracks are appearing, you know, and it could be fatigue from playing two games in a week for the past month or so. We start to see key United players becoming less effective since they let in a last guest equaliser against Southampton. You see it in the way they conceded two goals just before and after half-time as well uh, in the FA Cup semi-final loss to Chelsea on Sunday. The good thing is this is a timely kick up their backsides, you know, I feel. And they know that as long as they can avoid defeat in their last two games, they will be in the Champions League. Suzali,
0: so which two teams are you looking at?
3: I said last month on the podcast uh, when the league was about to resume that uh,
1: my picks for the Champions League uh, sports were to join City and Liverpool were. United and Wolves. I will have to revise that prediction. Uh, I think United will still get in uh, at the expense of Leicester. I think Chelsea have done enough to 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 uh, you know to to keep their place in the top four. And I, in fact, I think United might even leapfrog Chelsea into third, with Chelsea now having one eye on, on the FA Cup final.
0: Well, there goes the final whistle for our sports discussion of the week. We hope you've enjoyed listening to us. I'm Rachel Kelly, Rohit, David, and Sazali. Glad to have you all with us.
1: No worries, Rachel. Thanks.